Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Real Joe Quinn. As we near the end of February and head towards some March Madness, and we already seeing we're already seeing that with uh this weather, especially in the DMD area, you know, 60 to 60 one day and 25 the next, basically. So, you know, hopefully everybody enjoyed these last couple of days. But I'm about to get cold again, a little colder tomorrow. But uh, this is a transitional uh, part of the sports calendar um, where the NBA and really college basketball and the NBA kind of uh, take hold of the sports world and, and also, you know, people behaving badly with doing dumb shit, you know. Hopefully there's nothing, no criminal activity. But this is that this is that time of year where you'll see some shit that just come out of nowhere. Like, oh damn, I can't believe that that happened. Uh, so we will be focusing certainly in on the. This will be a NBA driven podcast moving forward, and of course we'll do some college basketball as well as as March uh, approaches and we get into the teeth of the conference championships and the NCAA tournament, which should be again wide open this year. I mean, there's not, I know Connecticut is very good. There's some top teams that are very good, but there's no dominant team as good as Connecticut is. And Connecticut certainly can repeat. There's no dominant team uh, whatsoever. But we begin with the National Basketball Association uh, and the deep dive, which to me was easy. Uh, Looking at the current state of the Western Conference, um, it's just uh, it's it's really remarkable how exciting the Western Conference is going to be uh, this year, or has been this year, and will be until uh, you know as we go into March and soon as we, as we get into the postseason. Now, and contrary to past years. You you can feel you can see the transition of the NBA inside in the Western Conference is happening right before your eyes. You have a three young upstarts in OKC, Sacramento, uh, the Pelicans, or four the Pelicans, and also to a lesser extent Minnesota. Minnesota has more experience than what you realize, but their best player is what, 22, 21, 22, 22 years old, years old in uh, Anthony, uh, in terms of Anthony Edwards. So you can see them come. They're not coming. They're here. Those teams are here. Those teams, any one of those teams outside New Orleans could possibly get to the finals. I don't think New Orleans can get to the finals. But they would be, you know, a handful to deal with uh, in the postseason, possibly. But I don't think they can get to the finals. But you know, Oklahoma City, they, you know, it's not a matter of if, it's when they win a championship. Oklahoma City is going to be a championship franchise. They are. Maybe not this year, but they they are coming. They're coming fast. And, you know, they as of right now, you have Minnesota and Oklahoma City in the one and two spots in the Western Conference. And, of course, you have the team to beat. And to me, in the NBA and in the Western Conference in the NBA, and that's the Denver Nuggets. Denver, of course, knows who they are. They have the best player in the sport. Um, they have a 
wealth, uh, you know, they have a, in terms of that starting five, that one, two punch, we know what they're made of, but they're not a dominant team. Like, I don't think Denver is going to be a dynasty. I think Denver will, will win multiple championships, but I don't think they're going to be a dynasty because the, the league is too talented. Excuse me. The league is too talented, especially in the Western Conference, and they're not, they're not a dominant team. And the league is designed that way, you know, with this with the luxury tax and this third, the second and third apron. And where you're not going to see a Lakers of the 2000s or a Golden State of the 2020s. Those days are those days in the NBA are done. Period. And that's how the, and that's frankly how the league wants it. So. And then, of course, you have those these you have the old old Star Wars, uh, Phoenix, the Clippers, Lakers, and and Warriors. Lakers and Warriors right now are would be in a playing game right now. They're in ninth and tenth place. Clippers and Phoenix four and five. Um, Clippers are, of course, right now in much better shape than Phoenix. I don't trust Phoenix. I think Phoenix uh, is too top heavy. I don't see all those guys staying healthy. And even if they are healthy, I think they will eventually run out of gas as far as um, them making a serious title uh, title run. Clippers, this could be their best chance. Moving. Like, this could be really their, their best chance to get to the finals. And again, I have to, I don't care how well the Clippers play in a regular season. They, they don't, by any stretch of imagination, get a benefit of, of the doubt with me. I have to see them in the postseason. Point blank. And of course, Golden State and Lakers. Golden State and Lakers, who are like aging singers, who's frankly, who's their day to me, their best days are behind them. I don't believe in either one of those teams, uh, especially as a Laker fan. If you ask me which one do I trust more right now, I probably have to lean towards Golden State, to be honest with you. I think Golden State out of those, you know, has the best player between those two teams and Steph Curry. And right now, Golden State is getting healthy at the right time. Golden State is eight and two in their last uh, ten games. Um, now they had a loss to Denver. That Denver kind of flexed their Denver owns the they own Golden State, so that's nothing new. But they uh, their other losses have been relatively close losses. Uh, Steph Curry is playing, you know, is, is doing Steph Curry shit. And finally, Steve Curry finally decided that Jonathan Kaminga can should actually be getting minutes. So it took him basically almost up until what January to figure that out, but he finally has figured it out. Like I said, they got Peyton back. They're getting. Uh, they just got Chris Paul back, which adds to the depth. So Golden State is in a nice place to possibly, possibly move up to like eighth spot. I don't, you know, or maybe even higher, maybe the seventh spot. I don't see them challenging for, uh, you know, who knows with Phoenix. Phoenix could fall off. You know, Golden State has a chance to move up, maybe even to the to the fifth spot, possibly. Possibly, but if it, you know, if you are in that seven to ten spot, obviously you want to get out. You don't want to be in the play-in tournament. Like you want to avoid that. The West is too deep to be playing an extra to be playing extra games. Like the West is just way too deep for that uh, from that standpoint. But this again, this is a very interesting year in the Western Conference. It it really is. And like, like I said, if you made me choose a team to come out the West, I think Denver, based on the fact of Jokic, their experience and their knowing who they are from an identity standpoint, they would be my, you know, the odds-on favorite to come out. 
But again, Zumi, they're also watching these younger teams. You know, young teams just don't come out of nowhere and win a championship. I mean, even Golden State, 41-15, they were very young, but they, you know, lost in the first round to the Clippers the year before in 2014, 2013, of course, they upset Denver in the first round and then scared the scared the, uh, the shit out of the San Antonio a year the San Antonio a year that San Antonio actually got to the finals and probably didn't should have beat Miami in 2013. So even they had to go through some uh you know some a uh, bit of not I ain't gonna say a heartbreak but even they had to lose go through a, a tough two playoff rounds in the first in 2013 and a seven game series which really was one of the best first round series of uh, probably the 2010s with that that Clipper series was a great with you know Chris Paul his basically the game winning shot in Game Seven that was a great basketball series that was a great great series that year in, in 2014 so you know like Golden State um well 20 for that 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 series was 20 but excuse me, that series the Golden the the Clipper in San Antonio was 2015. The Golden State, right, Golden State Clippers series, that was 2014. But right now, I get a situation where if you're in the West, you just you just want to be healthy and playing good basketball going into April. It's just it's, the main thing is the dynamic of a season, especially for these uh, teams, especially with, for some of these older teams, you know, Phoenix, the Lakers, like these are teams, you know, you got to be a little concerned if you're Lakers with LeBron's ankle. Phoenix again, all just one injury away from their season being done with their top three. And right now, Bradley Bill, who hasn't been healthy for the better part of the last four to five years, is you know, you have to be concerned can he make it through a playoffs? Can make it through three rounds of the playoffs? Right now, I probably would say no. And if they're not, if all of those guys aren't at 100% format of premium at their top of their games, then they just don't have a chance. They just don't. But the team with the most pressure, to me, by far and away, will go into the playoffs. Will be the Los Angeles Clippers. They have everybody for relatively healthy. You have a situation where, you know, Kawhi and Paul George have played in a lot of games. I know Paul George has, has missed some games recently, but Kawhi has been healthy and, and played phenomenal basketball. Kawhi probably uh, will make. Um, Probably at worst will be second team All NBA has an outside chance of being first team, but he'll probably be second team All NBA. Um, he's been spectacular, and we know how deep the Clippers are coming off the bench with you know, with Westbrook and and what have you. So, and we know what type what type, what type of coach uh, Ty Lue is, uh, championship coach, and a guy has who can be as as good as anybody outside of Eric Spoelstra in the uh, playoffs. And of course, you have. A guy on a team who's not going anywhere, but is must watch TV every time. Every time he steps on the floor, Victor Wembanyama, who to me, I listen. I'm not saying he's clinched Rookie of the Year, but if he's healthy, if he stays healthy, I, the, you're hard pressed. You'd be hard pressed not to see him, not for him not to be Rookie of the Year. With all due respect to Chet Holmgren, who's been who's played well, extremely well, and is on a playoff team, a team that is a title contender. Bottom line is Wimbayama is a better player and, frankly, has had a better year, especially since the start of the calendar year in January. He's taken off. You saw him last week have a 5-by-5 five five game. Uh, he's changing. He's going to be a multiple defensive player of the year winner 
he'll win at least three or four of those, if not more. And this guy, listen, this guy is a gener- he is a generational talent. There's all there's to it. Like you cannot teach what he does or what he can do. He started shooting, but he's, his three point percentage is going up a, a bit. Um, they finally have started to actually pass him the, the basketball, which you know, which is kind of smart, considering that he's by far and away the best player. And he's only he's doing this in basically 28 minutes of play. I would like to personally see those minutes go up to about 32, 33. Um, he's only 20 years old. We don't have to treat him like porcelain here. He has no history of injuries or any major catastrophic injuries. I understand you want to, you know, you want to handle him with somewhat kid gloves, but you got, I mean, look, he's 20 years old. You got, he's used to playing over in Europe. He's used to playing a lot of basketball. So I, I think you could up those minutes by four or five minutes going down the stretch. I mean, he should be over 30 minutes a game before the season ends. So a lot of, a lot to watch in the Western Conference. And I didn't even mention, didn't even mention the Sacramento Kings. I, so a lot of people are not big on Sacramento because they feel like the minus a bonus can't be your best player or a second best player on a team that can make a serious run. Sabonis has been spectacular this year. He's taking a step up without question. Some of my guy is basically averaging 20, 13, and 9, shooting 61% from the field and close, and over 40% from the three-point line. The only thing he doesn't do is make – he's not a great defender, as we all know, but he also is only 69% from the free-throw line, which you don't like to see out, out of your big man. But out, he without he is the legitimately has a chance to be all NBA. Uh, it should have been an all-star. He should have been an all-star over Anthony Davis. That was just, you know, I don't, I don't understand how the Lakers got two all-stars. Like, that was just, you know, insane uh, how he how he was not an all-star. But the Kings are very – I've been watching the Kings lately. The Kings are very impressive. They have a guy in De'Aaron Fox who is absolutely not scared of anyone. He thinks he's the best player on the floor when he steps out on the court. They have – Remember, they went to they took Golden State to seven games last year, so they got a little playoff experience. They they're a team that, you know, <laughs> if you told me that they were going to be that they were in the Western Conference Finals, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. Be slightly surprised, but you can't tell me that I would be shocked if they were in the Western Conference Finals. I, I just, like, there's a feel to that team. There's something more intangible about that team that I really like. I really do. So, I, I love what's going, out, going on in the Western Conference. A lot of talent. It's all over the place um, from night to night. Not there, you're going to get good, even when, even when the bad teams have a talent in terms of Houston, uh, San Antonio, Utah. So it's going to be uh, amazing. It's going to be very fun to watch down the stretch. So you have a situation where from the number four to number eight slots only separated by Five are separated by five games. So from Clippers to where Golden State is at, four to eight are separated by five games. Uh, even more so, numbers five through eight is separated only separated by say three only separated by three games. Uh, or no, excuse me, one game. So Phoenix, New Orleans, 
Dallas and Sacramento are all battling to one stay out the play in spot, stay out the play in game, and two and to make a maybe make a slight slight miracle run at the number four spot. I think the I think the first the first four in the Western Conference are set for the most part, unless injuries are standing. I think Minnesota somewhere in whatever order, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Denver, and the Clippers will be your top four. Everything after that could be is absolutely up in the air. Teams a uh, transitional podcast. Um we'll get to the Cam Newton stuff later. Um I know it's a little somewhat dated happened this weekend, but I'll I'll get to it uh later on in the podcast. I want to talk about Bronny James uh for a moment. Of course, ESPN comes out with their mock draft that removed Bronny James from 2024 and placed him in the 2025 draft uh, class. Here's what LeBron James said about that. Um, well, he tweeted, then had the tweet removed uh, like last, this, what was it, Monday or Sunday? No, Sunday. It was This was Sunday over the weekend. He says, can y'all please let the kid be a kid and enjoy college basketball? James wrote Monday afternoon, the work and results will ultimately do the talking no matter what he decides to do. If y'all don't know, he doesn't care what a mock draft says. He works, earn, not given. And to all the other kids out there striving to be great, just keep your head down, blinders on, and keep grinding. These mock drafts doesn't really matter one bit, I promise you. Only the work matters. Let's talk real basketball, people. So here, here's the thing. First of all, the mock drafts do matter. They matter from a standpoint of people who put these drafts together are basically working on the clock 365 uh, in basketball in particular, in basketball, football, and whatever sport. Like they, these, This is their lives, their careers. They eat, sleep, and shit this. So, yeah, they can't predict what type of player you're going to become. We understand that. But in terms of where you're going to get drafted, they're normally very accurate from that standpoint. <laughs> like Normally, if a guy is going to be a lottery pick and stays, uh, normally if a, guy, if, if, a guy, if a guy is projected to be a lottery pick in a mock draft leading up to the draft and he's still, up to, he's still projected to be a lottery pick, chances are that guy will be a lottery pick. Sure and simple. So from that standpoint, they do matter. And the thing about it is, it's kind of, it's, you know, LeBron is kind of, in a way, contradicting himself with, in terms of his actions versus what he's saying, like, put your head down and do the work. Yeah, that sounds great, but is part of doing the work Posting videos of yourself or of Bronny or of his brother, which he has done before. Like he's posted videos of Bronny and his brother working out. With like we've seen that, okay. He's going out 
and publicly made statements saying Bronny could or tweeted and what have you, Bronny could, you know, is better than a, a few of these guys in the NBA, or Bronny could play for the Lakers. Whether he believes that or not, I, I like, you know, maybe he's trying to tweak the Lakers or maybe he's just talking shit. It doesn't matter. These actions add to the attention that Bronny James already is getting, will get, because he's LeBron James's son. And it's all in the game. Like, it's like you, there's no protection from the media. Like, there's no protecting Bronny James from the media. But LeBron James can protect Bronny James from LeBron James. He absolutely can do that from a standpoint of putting extra pressure. Remember, LeBron James verbatim basically said, playing with my son would be my greatest accomplishment. And if you don't think that's pressure, then you're just not paying attention. And I wonder, does LeBron James want Ronnie James in the NBA? Does Ronnie, does Ronnie James want to be in the NBA as bad as LeBron James wants him to be in the NBA and more importantly wants him to play to play with him someday? I wonder about that. I can't answer that question. I'm not in Brian. I don't know the the what's in Brian James's heart. I like I'm assuming he likes basketball. <laughs> I'm assuming that, you know, he works pretty hard. He's talented. He's, you know, got you know, made it to Division One A college basketball. But yeah, I, I you know, it just seems to me like this is you know, it's kind of like this is LeBron James's dream as much, if not more so, than it is Bronny James's dream. And the truth of the matter is, in regards to the media, I think the media has been more than fair with Bronny James. I haven't seen just ridiculous criticism about Bronny James Jr. or outlandish. And forget about Twitter. I don't care what's on Twitter. I'm talking about by national media people. I'm not talking about uh, a blogger who hates LeBron James. I'm talking about just regular national basketball media. The truth of the matter is, you look at Brian James this year, look at his numbers, look at the impact that he's had at USC. He's been just an okay player, but he hasn't stood out. Which, by the way, is okay. Because, you know, the Young man had a cardiac arrest back in, you know, what, last August or July. I think it was July, last summer. So to me, I went in with the mindset of uh, you got to give this dude a, 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 at least a year in terms of a grace period. Like that, the psychological, think about the physical damage, but the psychological damage, just not, you're just not going to miss it the amount of time that he missed and just come back and just set the world on fire. I just didn't see that this year. I really didn't. The fact that he's on the court is a big deal to me. I didn't know that he would even play this year when that went down. So he deserves a lot of credit from that standpoint of being back on the court. But I have not seen this just onslaught of criticism or hating or national media ripping LeBron James Jr., Brian James to shreds. I, haven't, I have, not, have not seen that. I just haven't. And LeBron James should know this better than anyone. Grew up in the internet era, 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 excuse me. He 
that is one of the most scrutinized, polarized, famous athletes to ever play a sport. Like, he understands what time it is when it comes to the type of, or should have, when it was going to come to the type of scrutiny that his son was going to receive. That's like, <laughs> this is why I don't understand it. Like, I, I don't understand where, what he's trying to accomplish here. They're not going to control what the media says about LeBron James Jr. You're just not. Let his play do the talking. Because bottom line, if he, play, if he plays well, he won't get criticized to that to that to that level. He just won't. Outside of say a Skip Bayless. But um I think that I I think LeBron James should start taking his own advice when it comes to his son. How about not publicly talking about your son? In terms of basketball, how about that? Like you don't have to talk. You literally don't have to talk about your son, son as a basketball player. Like you want to bring him up, you can talk about him. You know, hey, proud of my son. Keep him moving. Or you don't like you. We don't like we don't need to hear about Bronny James from LeBron James. To be honest with you. Because to my to my earlier point, doing the work is not about who sees it, or it's not about broadcasting. It. It's not about spending on the social media. It's about just doing the work and letting the results speak for themselves. When he gets out there on that court, over the course or over the course of time, as he progresses as a basketball player, matures as a basketball player, and, and gets back to. Uh, being 100% physically as well as psychologically. We're going to switch over to one of the most talented and one of, frankly, one of the best players in the world, somewhere in that five to seven range. I mean, you can make a case that he's arguably top five without question. Um, Luka Doncic just turned 25 today. Um, I, I believe they won. Um, I'm pretty sure that they won tonight. Uh, I'll look it up real quick. I, last time I checked that they, yeah, they won. Uh, just typical Dallas uh, Wild. Offensive game between uh, Toronto, Luca in this game scores thirty points, sixteen assists, and eleven rebounds. Just basically a typical night for Luca in the sense that he's basically like 30, 35, 9, and eight for this year. He's going to make another first team All NBA. Um, more than likely, he's going to be yeah he he will be first team All NBA probably. Um, you look at the totality of his stats over the course of his first, what, now year six of his career. And, you know, they're spectacular. He just, he's going to have, by the season, by, by the time the season ends, he'll probably have over 11,000 points total. Uh, his career averages for his career, he's at 28 and a half points, eight, eight assists, and eight rebounds. Um, this year, again, he's been spectacular. Um, but, Here's the thing about Luca, and I said that's really why I titled it. Reason why I titled it the Luca Conundrum. I don't think you can win a championship with Luca playing. Matter of fact, I know you can't win a championship with Luca playing the style that he plays. Now, let me make this clear: from a talent standpoint, you Luca Doncic absolutely can be the best player on a champ on a championship team. There's no question about it. 
Twitter. Like it's this this that's not what I'm saying that he can't be. What I'm saying to you is no player, no player, and I did this, dug up this research, has won a championship leading the NBA in usage usage rate rate since Michael Jordan in nineteen ninety eight. Jordan did it five times over his career where he led the NBA in usage. Uh, the last year he did it was in 98, um, where he had a usage rate in 97, 98 season. He had a usage rate of 30, just a real quick, just saw it. Where, where did it go? So many of these stats, so many of these numbers here. The usage rate was over 30. It was in the, it was in the 30s. Um, he also, Jordan was also the last to average 30 points and win a, win a, champ, win a, win a uh, championship in the 92-93 season. Luka right now is averaging 34.8. So more like guys who average 30 points don't, don't win championships. That just doesn't happen. Um, but the usage thing is, 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 is important because he kind of reminds me of a, he's a, I think he's a better version of what James Harden was when James Harden was putting up those insane numbers and going to the free throw line like a million times a game. In a three-season period where he averaged, where he led, where he was averaging like 30 and then 36 points and where he led the league in scoring was at, or, and finished top three in the MVP, finished uh, three straight seasons in the top three in the MVP, winning, one, winning his first and only MVP uh, in 2008 in 2018 now Luca is more is a better shooter and more um more efficient than Harden is but they basically their numbers are basically close to being the same or very similar and their style of play in terms of their usage rate is similar as well and you're not winning a title with like with a player dominating the basketball in today's game like that. You're just not. And it's going to be interesting, first of all, to find players who will want to play with Luka in terms of that style. But more importantly, can the organization, Jason Kidd, can they shift Luka's mindset to convince him a guy who is a super max player, a guy who without is a superstar, a guy who's one of the best players in the world, can they shift him and say, Luca, you're great, your numbers are great, but we can't win like this. Can they convince him? You're going to have to make a choice. Numbers versus winning. We can't win like this. They got to the Western Conference Finals a few years back. That was a fluke. The West was down. They wouldn't, they like, is as dangerous as, as they would, would, would could be in a first round series, they're not long for a for a for a Western Conference Finals run um, this year. And with him playing that type of st- that style of basketball, because in the playoffs, that style can be is very defendable. Now again, you want to say, well, it's not a fair comparison with Harden and Luca. Um, it is. Well, you want to you want to say, well, Luca is a much is a far superior uh, far superior playoff performer versus Harden. 
You're absolutely right. He is. But Harden never got to the finals with Houston. Okay. Not only playing that style, but also I, Luca doesn't have as much talent around him as Harden had in those years that they, that they, that they, um, that he's with Houston. So yeah, Harden came up small in 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 the in the, in the playoffs during that, those particular years. But we also had more talent than Luca, so that kind of bounces out. Luca's going to be more productive, but Harden has under has just better players around him uh, in terms of role players. Remember, one of those teams in twenty eighteen should have like well not twenty eighteen it's twenty seventeen that twenty seventeen Rocket team um, probably should have went to the. Um, Oh, no, excuse me. Got my years. That 2018 Rocket team had had Golden State on the ropes. Remember, they're up three games to two. They lose game seven at home. We do, we understand what happened to Chris Paul, and Golden State took advantage of it. They were right there with Golden State. They were right there. Absolutely right there. So they got close. They got close. And they and that team would have beaten. They would have beaten Cleveland. Like, even if Harden would have been Average in the finals. They would beat Cleveland. That Cleveland team was a shell of what they were when Kyrie and, and company were there in 2016, 2017. That 2018 Cleveland team, like that's the team that that uh LeBron drugged to the finals. They would have that the winner of that Western Conference Finals in 2018 was going to was winning the championship. Curious and play. That's all there is to it. But I don't think you get you cannot win with that style of play. With, a, with one guy dominating the basketball like that. You can't. Can't do it. I was watching Luka tonight, and, you know, when he doesn't have the ball, he might as well not even be on the court. He's not cutting. He's not posting up. He's not doing anything without the ball. Not setting screens on the ball. He's not doing nothing. And that was, that was just that. Was, you look at these high-usage guys, some of these high-usage guys in the last five or six years, Harden, uh, Westbrook, when he was, you know, when he was running the show in Oklahoma City, was one of, you know, that had a very high usage, especially his high usage, usage, excuse me, especially his MVP season. And there's a pattern with those guys. They do nothing without the basketball. They don't cut. They don't, they, they basically might as well not be in the play. Like Harden does not, Harden, like I said, Harden does not move about the basketball and Luca's the same way. Literally, I was just out like I was focused on I wasn't even well focusing on the game itself. I was just watching Luca. And like I said, when he didn't have the ball, standing behind the three point line, chilling. Just chilling. Like really like, <laughs> do 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 do. That was it. So that like that's a major, major problem for Dallas moving forward and for that for the future of their franchise. They, like that is, you have to know, uh, especially if J- Jason Kidd played on a championship team. He's been around for a long time, Hall of Fame guy, top 75 guy. You have to know you're Jason Kidd. We cannot look in big picture. We cannot win this way. And I think Jason Kidd has done a very good job at, you know, with improving their defense, Somewhat holding Luca accountable, but that style of play won't do it. It won't at all. Who won the week? Um, 
obviously Nikolai Jokic, Jokic um, he comes out the All Star break with three straight triple doubles, and not not just you know these are not like twelve, ten, and ten. These are like just insane. I think he went for like eighty points, fifty assists, and or fifty rebounds and forty assists, something like that. And only like the last person to do that was Will Chamberlain in a three game stretch, and frankly has vaulted himself to the top of the MVP list now. He'll be that. That MVP is going to be interesting because Shea Gilders Alexander is just destroying people. Like, I'm averaging like 31 a game, shooting 55 percent from the field. Um, just he is he. I mean, he every single night he's putting on the show. So right now, those two guys are the leading candidates for MVP. If I had a vote, I would go Jokic by a nose. But if you know if. If uh, Oklahoma City finishes with the best record in the conference, it's gonna be hard. It'd be very hard not to give him, not to give Shea the MVP. It really, I mean, it'd be very hard not to give him the MVP if they finish with the best record in uh in the conference. But Jokic has been just spectacular. Jokic on the season, and sometimes we just take his greatness, his greatness somewhat can be taken for granted because he just. You know, every night, this is these up ridiculous numbers every single night. He's averaging 26, uh, 26, 9, 26, 12, and 9, 13th in scoring, third in rebounding, fourth in assists, shooting 58% from the field, um, shooting. 81% from the line, 35% from, from the three-point line. They're in 34 minutes of play. Uh, again, these three straight triple doubles, you're talking about 32, 16, and 16 against Golden State, 29, 14, and 15 against um, Portland, and 21, 15, and 19 against uh, the Washington Wizards. So he's come out the gate just, you know, Again, playing just spectacular basketball as he has been basically for the entire season. Um, you compare this to his season, to his MVP season, is very kind. Well, he's averaging more points. Um, I mean, he's basically right. He's, I mean, he's having, he's been better. Like outside of field goal percentage, those three, he shoot, shot the ball better last year, but his rebounding is up this year. His rebounding is up, scoring is up. Um, so you know, he you know uh, he's playing as well as he played. He's on he's playing as well as he played last year. And, um, where he went, where he didn't win the MVP. Uh, but it's very com he's very comparable to his to the years that he did uh, indeed uh, win MVP with the way he's playing right now. But again, Shaggy Gilders Alexander SGA will be right there as far as the. Um, MVP race uh, goes. Uh, before I let you go, uh, a couple of real thoughts. Um, but yeah, let me get before I get to the new new podcast recommendations. We'll talk a little bit about the the camp situation that happened over the weekend. Um, note that certainly by now you heard what transpired. You get a couple of Cam Newton's former coaches that used to work with him. Obviously, they had a disagreement. It apparently, made the coaches 
from top shelf. One of the coaches said that he approached Cam Newton about how much shit that he was talking and taunt the teams. They beat his team. They decided, one of them decided for whatever reason to approach Cam Newton. Cam Newton apparently put his hands around the dude's neck, started choking him. Then the other brother said he came and tried to help his brother out. And that's when basically all hell broke loose. And you see Cam tossing guys around like, you know, they were his kids. And you see Cam's players get involved in it until security had to break it up. So that went on uh, Sunday. Here's what I'll say. First of all, this was not, you know, I'm glad I'm doing this now. Because when, this first, when this first came out, uh, it made it seem the narrative out there based on the video, because we didn't have a lot of information to go on, made it seem like four dudes jumped Cam Newton for no reason, which that was not the case. Also, um, in this case, I, I, I as an educator of 21 years, I always look at this from a teaching standpoint. You're dealing with a number of young men. He does seven on seven, highly competitive. You know, his his class, not his class, but his uh, his teams are like, these are, you know, I believe 18 guys who are 18 and under, something like that. Um. Apparently these these two these guys who used to coach with him have beaten his teams before. They said, of course, this annoyed Cam Newton that he basically was talking shit from basically from the start of the entire day, taunting them, challenging them to bet money and, and what have you. Um, here's the bottom line: you're not going to Jordan fool me if I'm Cam Newton. So if you approach me. With a certain type of energy, I'm I'm swinging first, like I'm, you know, I get like so whatever it is, however that you know they approached him, he apparently felt threatened enough to put hands on the dude. Okay, the second part is your top shelf, top shelf performance. You know Cam Newton. You know who Cam Newton is. Cam Newton can is 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 great of a community person that he's been as far as giving back to the community and what he does for young people, which he's tremendous. Can't take anything about him. Take anything away from him. Cam could be a diva. Uh, like that's, I mean, that's all his story. Cam is very confident about he loves Cam Newton, which is fine. That's fine. Like None of us are perfect, but whatever. Like, that's, that's fine. I, I, like, okay. And likes to talk shit. Um, you know who Cam Newton is. So, top shelf, you had an opportunity to disassociate yourself with from from that type of energy and be like, you know what, we good, we good, Cam. We don't like how you disrespecting us. You know, we're grown men. We're not gonna be treated this way. So we don't have, we don't even gotta deal with you like that. We don't even have to be associated with you in terms of. Playing, you playing against our teams or what have you, or what have you. But it's Cam Newton, so you want that shine. You want, uh, you want those lights. You want those whatever. You want all the attention for your team, so you put up with bullshit. And eventually, eventually, you can't handle it anymore. So you decide to do what you did. I so I really don't have 
that much sympathy for Top Shelf, considering like they don't have to be associated with Cam Newton from that standpoint. And even even after the fact, after all this is going down, they were talking about still. Even I heard him on an interview talking about still wanting to work with him. So I'm like, really? You still like what are we doing here? So that just shows me that you care more about maybe the attention that you're getting from being associated with Cam Newton than having self-respect, respecting yourselves as grown men to where you, uh, you're going to allow another grown man to, to allegedly disrespect you or you lack some type of self-respect from that standpoint. Like, we're not, if I'm not vibing with somebody, we're not vibing. We can respectfully part ways and keep it moving. The most important part is to me are is the is what we what these young men had to witness. Cam Newton, a one of the one of the kids last year, we saw it on video, was talking shit to you on the sidelines, calling you trash. Right? Calling you trash. So you reciprocate that behavior with other with other grown men and coaches. What does a young person take away from that? How is that getting a young person better? Cam is not, he, he's not a victim here. He has, some, he has some skin in the game in terms of this partially being his fault. So he doesn't get away, he doesn't get away sky clean, uh, scot-free just because he turned these guys into uh, some, some Twitter memes. He has a responsibility here. Now, again, you have to respect everything Cam Newton has done for his community. You have to. Whether you like how he dresses and all that other bullshit or worry about his personal life and how many kids by, how many, you know, women he, and different kids, he different kids by different women, whatever. That's, that's his business. But as far as doing the work and putting in the work from that standpoint, he does the work, or has done the work. But if you're Cam Newton, you got to understand your influence on these young men and how much your actions or your words affect how they move and how they view you and how they will, how they will move in the future. You are, unlike, unlike what Charles Barkley said back in 92, you are a role model. Now, the third part is the reaction to this from certain media members, um, black media members, Shannon Sharp, Stephen A. Smith, and there were a couple others as well. This idea that we choose to seek validation by saying shit like it had to be us or this wouldn't have happened at Eli or Kate Manning's camp, Kate Manning's camp or Drew Brees' camp is the most just it's just a form of it's a form of self-hatred. And it really is a unnecessary from a standpoint of you know, you're, you're basically saying that, you know, white ice is colder. Like you're seeking to put, you know, those guys on a on a pedestal while basically shitting on 
things that are organized by black men, which to me serves no purpose whatsoever. Zero purpose. Bad behavior is bad behavior. Like, when you hear the phrase black-on-black crime, uh, it, it, it's the most ignorant shit that you know, is just just pure ignorance. Like, it's not, like, black, like, no, we, like, we make up 13% of the population. Anything, anybody that knows anything about crime, if, if another black man kills another black man, he killed them because they are in the same proximity and probably the guy that he killed probably in that area, mostly going to be uh, black people in that area. Not killing another black man just because he's another because he's a black man. That's not how that's not how this thing works. And there were plenty of campers at Drew Brees' camps or Peyton Manning's camps that or Eli Manning's camps that are young black men. So I don't like it, it really pissed me off to hear Shannon Sharp talk about it gotta be us. Like that shit, like when I saw the fight. I saw black men. Yeah, the majority, they were all black men, but I wasn't thinking to myself like, damn, why why got to be black men fighting? No. <laughs> like, I'm like, there's, there's a bad decision by people. Human beings making bad decisions. So you don't have to shit on your own kind and raise up somebody else's to make a point. I don't, again, I don't, it does not accomplish anything to me it doesn't accomplish anything it's just but it can and again it's not the first time Shannon Sharp has done this he said the same said this the same shit after with the Oscars after when Chris Rock uh, when Wilson smacked Chris Rock it had to be two black men Instead of again two, instead of you know it being two human beings, uh, one human being making a poor decision. Again, you can hold, we can hold each other as human beings accountable for our actions. Without uplifting another race while tearing down our race as black people, sometimes we have a hard time with that. Several things where I let you out, um, let you go. New podcast recommendations. Um, the Native Land Podcast is, is a very good podcast, especially in this time. It features Tiffany D. Cross, Angela Rye, and Andrew Gillum. Very informative as far as from a political lens. They do, you know, they they'll touch on some pop culture shit occasionally, but they mainly is a political podcast. If you're seeking real information if you're seeking people who actually understand politics and know what the fuck is going on that that is your that that's your podcast like they and and it's not you know they try to keep it under an hour i actually think they could probably could go longer if they wanted to and still get probably the same numbers but who knows i mean maybe it's just strictly but you know the less i'll assume they assume people's uh so many people don't want to you know uh have short attention spans which is fine but it is a great podcast, relatively new, about a month old. So, Native Land Podcast, I recommend that. Also, recommend a person, uh, too personal, uh, just basically that basically just came out this week, featuring um, what are these names? Uh, Taylor Rooks and 
Joy Taylor. Taylor Brooks and Joy Taylor, two obviously superstar, talented media personalities who are out there, out there, you know, doing their thing as black women uh, and doing it at a high level. Both of them right now are right are just just not rising stars, but all stars in their own right. They, of course, are seen our close friends. Uh, they have a very interesting format from what I saw in the first. I saw like a clip of the first podcast. The, the first one they did was only like 16 minutes, but uh, you saw you saw Taylor Rooks discussing really not being able, not sharing emotions uh, with her mom up until like a certain age, up until she basically just turned 31. And, you know, she got emotion with that and not and somewhat, and somewhat not knowing how to feel, not knowing how to express her to be emotional. Uh, very again, so very introspective. Um, and again, a cool concept to for them to be in a way interviewing each other and talking to each other. Um, so uh, those are two new podcasts that I, I certainly recommend you check out, along with the Real Deal podcast, of course. And finally, as we approach. You know, election 2020, you know, the November election will be right here before you know it. It'll be, we're almost, we're basically at March now. It'll be November. November is seemingly will be right around the corner. Um, You had the Michigan primary last night. Joe Biden, both Donald Trump, as expected, won. Something interesting happened in regards to Joe Biden. You had 100,000 uncommitted voters that is, of course, terrible for Joe Biden. Uh, not good news whatsoever. Um, Michigan is, of course, a key battleground state. The last two elections, the candidate that has won Michigan has won the, has won the presidency. It, Trump in 2016 uh, and Biden in 2020. So it's a very vital state to has shown to be a bio state in terms of in terms of deciding who possibly will be the uh the next president of the United States. Here's what I'll say. Um Democrats course have a lot of work in regards in regards to that to, to that result to do. There should not be a hundred thousand uncommitted voters anywhere. Okay. It just shouldn't be. Not telling anybody who to vote for. I'm just telling you, yeah, I should be voting. Um, I've seen too much, whether it's the Breakfast Club, whether it's other people trying to dissuade people from voting. It is the most moronic and idiotic thing that you can possibly do. Okay. Do your research and take your ass to the polls. Don't don't ever let anybody tell you not to vote or try to dissuade you from voting. Please. Like the government is not far from perfect. It'll never be perfect. But nothing, and I mean when I mean nothing will get done unless you go out there and vote. And by the way, the voting process is just the first part of the process. You actually have to push these uh, public servants, these you know politicians, which are who are public servants. They work for us. Push them to do better. 
period. It just doesn't, it, the process doesn't, just, just doesn't, just does not begin or end by just by voting. But if you don't vote, you, you don't have a chance, zero chance. And stop listening to people who say Democrats or Joe Biden hasn't done anything. It's not true. If you do research, you will realize a lot has been a lot has been done over the course of the last three years. Can they do a lot better? Absolutely. But to say here somebody says here somebody says Biden hasn't done anything, then they just don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And they're clearly they're clearly uninformed and clearly ignorant. Hear it. So Go out there, vote, hold these hold these uh, officials accountable. Ultimately, I mean, I, I me personally, I want to see this entire system destroyed. But until that happens, you still gotta go out there and and and, and you know do the research and try to make a dif- make a difference, you know, in, in your own community and pay attention to what the hell is going on. That's it. That's gonna wrap it up on this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. Have a great rest of your week. I'll see you next time.